So it's on the first page of your booklet, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Thanks. The promise of the Holy Spirit. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Ascension. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Great, so you bought a new building. Fantastic. Is that job done? Close the door. <laughs> That's it. You can all go home now. Church is over. You've done the work. Um, I think I'm right in saying that it was built in 1931. Is that right? Or is that when it was bought or something? Opened then. Okay. Okay. Built, built, built a few years before. But 1931. Wow. And now 2023, a new chapter in that building's life, in the life of the church here, there in Beckentree. And it's a good time to stop and reflect. I think it's a good topic you have for this, uh, this um, little break, this little weekend away. What is the mission of the church? Yeah? What are you all about? So it's almost 100 years since it was built, the building that you're in. What is the church going to be known for in 100 years' time from now? What will people in 100 years' time look back at you guys and see that you were all about? What is Beckentree Church meant to be all about? So it's a great topic for... And to be honest, it's a good question to ask generally, because I have to say there's lots of different things churches do, and there are lots of things the world wants churches to be. You might feel this. The world will start saying that the church should be this, the church should be that. Um, So, for example, is the church simply there to alleviate suffering and poverty? Are we just here to help people who are going through difficulties financially? Um, you might have heard of Make Poverty History. Do you remember? Anyone remember that? Yeah, it was like 2008 or something or something like that. Um, the church said, we're going to make poverty history. That's what we're going to be about. And everyone got very excited by it. And there's still poverty. <laughs> and Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. So in a sense, poverty will never be history. So is that what the church is about? Um, food banks, good things. Um, but is that what the church is about? Maybe some people say the church is there to bless the community. We want to be uh, like a shining light in the community. We want the whole community to know that we're there. We want to welcome them in. When it's cold in the winter, we want to provide a warm space. We want to bring people together. Is that what the church is about? Maybe, um, I don't know how much this is you, might not be at all, but um, uh, people think that the church should be pioneering uh, environmentally friendly things. 
So people saying that, yeah, the church should be eco-churches, we should be net carbon neutral, we should be um, celebrating like uh, protests against um, using oil and stuff like that. People think that the church should be a voice environmentally. Um, people think that the church should be a place to champion kind of equality and acceptance and inclusivity. So we need to fight racism, we need to um, make safe spaces for people who are uh, minorities or neurodivergent, which is a new thing. Um, what is the church for? The church does a lot of stuff, which is good. A lot of those things I just said are good. And the world will try and say, oh, the church should be doing this. But what, what actually is the mission of the church? And that's what we're going to um, look at this morning. And I've put it under the title, Keeping the Main Thing the Main Thing. Yeah, churches do a lot of things, but what is the main thing? What is the main thing you guys are to be about? Um, and the, the first sort of uh, heading underneath that main heading is, is this one, point one. The mission of the church is the mission of Jesus. I wonder if you knew that. Your mission is actually Jesus' mission. Um, so have a look at verse 1. Uh, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, he writes to this guy Theophilus and he says, in my first book, meaning the Gospel of Luke, I, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. You see, Jesus had a mission. He began to do something. He began to teach something. He came with something to do specifically. And you see that in everything he did, in the miracles he performed. They were all about restoring the kingdom of God. They were all about bringing broken people to wholeness. They were about bringing the dead to life. And in Jesus' teaching, he taught about the kingdom of God and how we are to live in the kingdom of God. And he told us, most importantly, about the Father and the Father's love for us in sending him to die for our sins. That's what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, Jesus began that work. There is a sense in which he finished it. What did he say on the cross as he died? He said, it is finished. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, it's finished. So there was a part of his mission, a part of his work that's done. Your sins have been paid for. He's taken them away. There's nothing left to do to make you right with God. He has paid the penalty for your sin. He's washed you clean. He's done that. It's finished. But there's also a sense, and this is quite exciting, in that the mission has only just begun. Sin, finished, paid for, done. But now, there's a sense that the mission has only begun. Um, Jesus uh, says to Peter, he says at one point, he says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build the church. I will build it. It's not finished yet. I will build it. It's a future thing. I'm going to do it. It's work that I've got to do. And so when we look at this in, in Acts chapter 1, when Luke says in my first book, I think, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication is now look at what Jesus continues to do. Look at the work Jesus is still doing. Look at what Jesus is continuing to do. And so, you know, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. But I've heard someone say that, you know, really it's better named as the Acts of Jesus. Because Jesus is carrying on here. This is Jesus' work. And so, that's the first point is the mission of the church is the mission of Jesus. He's the one at work. He's just working through us, as we'll see. 
So Jesus is on a mission, and our mission as the church is, is his mission. Secondly, Jesus now works through the ministry of the chosen and instructed apostles. We'll see that in verse 2. Uh, so, well, first one. In my first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So Jesus is taken up to heaven. He's not actually here bodily with us anymore. He has a body, still a human, but he's at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. He's not here in the room, but he's still working. And he works now through the chosen apostles that he's given instructions to. Now, what's an apostle? Um, apostle means someone who's sent. That's what it means. An apostle is someone who's sent. But not just like, uh, Rob, can you go and get me a drink? Not just like that. But like someone who's sent on behalf of the sender. So it's like, Rob... I need to be speaking at Cornerstone in half an hour. Can you go and speak on my behalf? And I want you to say this, this and this. Yeah? That's an apostle. That's someone who's been sent on behalf of the sender. So if you think about a king, sometimes a king can't go to, to a meeting, but they send like an emissary. They send like an ambassador. They send someone who's going to represent them in the room and is going to have their words and their message and that's what an apostle is. So the, the word that the apostle speaks, sent by Jesus, is effectively the word of Jesus. That's an amazing thing. The word of the apostle, it's, it's as if Jesus is speaking. The message that the apostles have is the message Jesus has given them to speak. So when we hear the apostles speak, we're hearing Jesus speak. We're hearing the commands of Jesus. I mean, Paul says later on of the apostles, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God is appealing to the world and he's doing it through the apostles. And so the, when the apostles speak, they have the authorship and the authority of God. That's what's going on. And so Jesus, though he's in heaven, he's actually now working, speaking, through the ministry of the apostles. And he's not just sent anyone to do this work, has he? Um, I know some people think that we have modern day apostles, some people call themselves apostles now. But what we see here in this first chapter of the book of Acts is Jesus has been specific. He's chosen a few. He's selected them. You can see that in verse 2. Um, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus has chosen these men, these apostles, to be the ones that he's going to work through. And, and this is why, though Jesus says on the one hand, he will build the church. Remember he said to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build the church. Though Jesus says he will build it, in Ephesians chapter 2 we see that the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles. The two go together. Jesus is building his church on the foundation of the apostles and their teaching. Um, and we actually see this worked out at the end of Acts chapter 2. Um, if you have a Bible, you can look at it. But if not, um, it just says very briefly, it says that the church then in Acts chapter 2 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The church is being built on the foundation of the apostles, which is the word of Christ. God is speaking and working and building through the ministry of the apostles. So that's how Jesus works now. 
Which is great, isn't it? Because a lot of people say, where's Jesus? Where is he? And we say, he's in heaven. Okay, so he's, he's gone away then. He's left us to it. No. He's working today through the ministry of the apostles. So what is the ministry of the apostles? Point number three. The ministry of the apostles is to be a witness of the resurrection. To be a witness of the resurrection. See that in verse 3 um, and verse, verse 8. So have a look at verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he had 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. Now, what do you think Jesus would be doing in those 40 days? It's a short period of time. Um, he's got a lot to do in a sense. Now, what is he going to be spending most of his time doing? Well, Luke records for us that he spent his time giving them many convincing proofs he was alive. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. He's like, hey, let's have a meal together. Let's eat. I'm alive. Ghosts don't eat. Uh, let's speak with one another. Let's talk with one another. And he said to Thomas, didn't he? Put your fingers in my hand where the holes are. He's giving them many proofs he's alive. He's not a ghost. He's not a mirage. He's not just um, someone who looks like Jesus, who's pretending to be alive. He's giving them many proofs that he's alive. That's what Jesus spends his time doing in that 40 days after he's raised from the dead. Um, and so when he, um, when he says to them, uh, you are to be my witnesses, what are they to be witnesses of? Well, the thing that he spent so long proving to them. <laughs> That he has come back from the dead. That he is alive. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 32, um, Peter says this, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. That's what the apostles say. We are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. We've seen him alive. And this is the thing, isn't it? Anyone can die. Anyone can die. Anyone in this room can die. Nothing special about dying. Nothing special about dying. Nothing really that special about performing miracles. Um, many Old Testament prophets perform miracles. Jesus is not unique in performing a miracle, is he? But, who's come back to life? Who's come back to life? Only Jesus. No one else has defeated death. No one else has ordered death to depart and to be finished with. No one else has dealt with the grave. Only Jesus has come back to life again. And so this is why the resurrection is the, the, the unique sign and seal of Jesus' earthly mission. This is why he wanted the apostles to be witnesses of the resurrection. Don't just tell people about my teaching. Don't just tell them about even my death. But tell the world that I've been raised to life again. Tell the world that I'm alive. And so the first fruit of the harvest is, is Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus died, he paid for our sin. But when he rose again, he, he showed that the door to everlasting life is open. That's why the, that's why the resurrection is so good. Because, because that's why Jesus spent so long proving to people I'm alive. That, because it's good news. 
It's good news that there's eternal life. It's good news that there's resurrection. It's good news that death isn't the end. You know, it was finished on the cross. He's paid for our sin. But here's the good news. We can, we can be raised to life again. And so that's why the, the witness of the apostles uh, is to be a witness of the resurrection. Because in Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep, there's resurrected life. There's eternal life. It's good news. It's a gospel. And so that's the ministry of the apostles, to be witnesses of the resurrection. There is life. Now, why, why, I've, I've said a little bit, but why get so excited about the resurrection? Well, the fourth point here is the resurrection heralds the kingdom of God. Um, verse 3 again, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. See, there's a link here between what Jesus is showing them, I'm alive, and what he's telling them, the kingdom of God. There's a link. He presents his resurrected self to them in order to speak about the kingdom of God. And that's because the kingdom of God is a resurrected kingdom. It's not a kingdom here in this world with its difficulties and its sufferings. Um, it kind of ha it has invaded this world, but it is, it's bigger than this world. It's a resurrected kingdom Jesus is about. It's a kingdom of eternal life. It's a kingdom where there's no more sin. It's a kingdom where the curse is no more, where suffering and poverty is no more, where people have been purified from death and decay. That's the kingdom that Jesus has been resurrected into. And he's not alone in that kingdom. It's not like Jesus is by himself forever in this new kingdom waiting for his mates to come, but just saying, oh, I'm the only one here. He's the first fruits of all those who've fallen asleep in him. See, in Acts chapter 4, it says this, The priests and the captain of the temple of God and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They're teaching that in Jesus, it's not just that he's been resurrected, but they're teaching in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And, and, the, and the Sadducees and the chief priests, they're getting very disturbed by this. They don't like this gospel. But here's Peter and John, the apostles, they're saying that in Jesus there's the resurrection of the dead. So, look, here's, here's the link. For, for the apostles, being a witness of the resurrection of Jesus, seeing Jesus alive... Being a witness of that and saying, look, Jesus is alive. That is proclaiming the resurrection of the dead in him. Jesus' proof that God has dealt with sin. Jesus' proof that God can raise you if you die. Jesus' proof that you can live forever. And so they say, look at the resurrection of Jesus. And believe in the resurrection of people who believe in him. The two go together. The resurrection heralds the kingdom of God. So that's a lot of information. So let's draw a line under it and summarise. How do we keep the main thing the main thing? What is the mission of the church? Well, it's there in that box underneath the passage. And hopefully you understand this now a little bit. The mission of the church, this is what you are to be about, is to proclaim... And be devoted to the apostolic witness and teaching of Jesus Christ. That's what, you're, that's what Jesus is doing right now. That's his mission. That's what we are, need to be about. Proclaiming 
Jesus, proclaiming his resurrection and we, that was shown through the, through the apostolic witness, those who actually saw it. That's the mission of the church. Proclaim and be devoted to the apostolic witness and teaching of Jesus Christ. In a hundred years' time, we want people to look back at you guys now, who bought the church, you gave financially, you were committed to this mission. That's what we want people to, to, to see. You're committed to the proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we see in the apostles' witness. Now, a practical note. What does that mean practically? What does that look like on a Sunday morning? What does that look like on a Tuesday afternoon? How do you do that? Well, it means that you're committed to the public reading, preaching, and teaching of the scriptures. That's what it means, practically. You're committed to opening the Bible, to looking at the apostolic witness, and preaching. I know you're about to go into a series, Preaching in Acts. You've just finished one at the end of Luke. You're doing it already. Keep doing it. The apostles were around today, we'd get them in and we'd say, Apostle Peter, come in, Apostle Paul, come in, tell us about the, the witness that you have of the resurrection of Jesus. And they'd come up here and they'd say, brothers and sisters, we've seen him, he gave many convincing proofs, he's alive, he's resurrected. And hey, if you believe in him, you can be resurrected too. That's what they would say, but they're not here. <laughs> but where do we have their witness? In the word of God. So how do you proclaim their witness? You open up the Bible, you preach and teach the apostolic witness in the scriptures. That's what you must do. Keep your Bibles out. Read it. Proclaim it. Teach it. That's your mission. That's your mission. That's keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, secondly, and this is a bit more brief, how do we do it? Where do we do it? And in, until when? <laughs> this is a bit shorter, this section. So look at verse 4. This is how. Um, so verse 4 uh, says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has ordered, it's a strong word, isn't it? In verse 4. He ordered them. This is an order. I'm not saying, I'm advising you don't go. He's saying, no, I'm ordering you. Don't go. Until you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You must wait for this. And this power that's talked about in verse 8, when Jesus says, you will receive power. He's not talking about, like, you get an upgrade. <laughs> he's not saying, I'm going to put, like, a better engine in, in you. And you're going to be more powerful. That word power is like a miraculous power. It's like a God in you power. And that's the kind of power that the apostles needed to get on with their work. Jesus said, I'm ordering you. You can't do it. You need God in you to do this work. And so that's how they were to get on. And actually, they were weak. If you read Paul, he talks about how weak he is and frail he is. He says, I'm, I'm like a drink offering being poured out to death. But God is in him. When, that, when God is in you, that is the power. That's how you are to get on with the work, with the mission of Jesus. To proclaim his resurrection. To teach people that there's forgiveness in his name. That's how they're to do it. And it's the same with us today. That's how we're to do it. We're to have the Holy Spirit who's in us. And doesn't make me powerful. doesn't make you powerful. We're weak, we're frail. So if you feel weak and frail, if you think, oh my goodness, how is God going to use us in Beckentree to reach the estate? 
He will be in you by his Holy Spirit. That's how he's going to do it. Um, Stephen, who wasn't an apostle, uh, who was a deacon, and he gets stoned to death. It says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Um, Peter is astonished that the Holy Spirit was also pulled out onto the Gentiles. Paul baptizes believers in Ephesus. The Holy Spirit comes on them. The church, no matter whether you're an apostle or not, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's true for us. That's how, that's how you're going to do that mission. That's how we're going to do the mission. So that's how. Where? Where do we do it? Look at verse 6. Um, so, when they had come together, they asked the Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the, the disciples were still thinking very Old Testament here. So when Jesus is resurrected, he's talking about the kingdom, they get very excited. They go, oh, the kingdom, that's Israel, that's the temple, that's, that's the promised land, that's the kingdom. And so they say, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, no. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, yeah, that's Israel. In all Judea. Okay, that's the countryside around Jerusalem. Yeah, okay. But it's still still Israel, and Samaria, okay, oh, it's right at the boundaries of Israel, but it's still Israel, so this is still Israel, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus says. <laughs> the disciples' minds must have been blown. What? What are you saying? This is not just Israel? Jesus is expanding his kingdom to the whole world. Jesus is not talking about a national kingdom. He's not talking about just a country or a state. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. He's talking about an eternal kingdom. That's the kingdom he's talking about. And included in that is the Beckentry estate. When Jesus said to the ends of the earth, he means to the Beckentry estate. And so where do we do this mission? You guys do it on the Beckentry estate. Yeah? Jesus is sending his spirit to be in you to do this work, to hold out the apostolic witness of the resurrection to the people in Beckentry. They might see that there is a God who's forgiven them. There is a God who's going to raise them to eternal life. There is a God who wants them in his kingdom. You are to proclaim the witness of the, re of the resurrection of the apostles to the Beckentry state. So, finally, until when? Until when? When do we do this to? You've just bought the building, you must be exhausted. Woo! That was a, you get over one hill, and then you see another hill. <laughs> Great, we've just done that. No time to rest. Got to keep going. When does this end? Well, have a look at um, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So there is an end to this mission. There is an end to the day when you proclaim the resurrection of Jesus to Beckentry Estate. There is a day that you will stop doing that. Does that sound good? Because <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work. There is an end to the mission. It's when Jesus comes back. That's when the mission ends. So that's when we do it in, until. And I think that's both a comfort. I think it's a comfort. Whew, and it's a motivation to keep going. It's a comfort because the mission has an end. Oh my goodness. 
you know, the Bible talks about how in heaven we were going to bend our um, spears and, and our weapons into 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 plows uh, and scythes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lay down our stra- straining and we're gonna rest. Oof. And that's a comfort. There is an end to this. We're not going to be perpetually witnessing to a world that doesn't want to hear it forever and ever and ever. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you're going to be vindicated, actually. All of Beck and Tree Estate will, will look and say, oh, these guys held out a message to me. They held it out to me. They were right. They kept going. They were faithful. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. It's also a comfort because Jesus hasn't come back yet. So he's working today. Ever think about that? Sometimes I need to remind myself that every day when I get up and I don't want to go to work, don't want to go to church, don't want to get out and tell people about Jesus. I need to remember. Hang on a minute. You know when you're at work and you've got a project, a deadline, and you've got to schedule all the things you have to do before that deadline comes. You can't do it all on the last day. Every day you've got to work towards it. You've got to do a little bit on that day. Right, I've done that bit. That's today's work. But tomorrow I've got some more. That's how Jesus is working now. He has a deadline. He's coming back. But he's not going to do it all on the last day. He's working. Which means today, right now, Jesus is at work. He's working. So it's a comfort. We can get on with the work until he comes back because he's working. He's doing it today. But this is a motivation to get on with it, isn't it? Because we're not here forever. There's an, there's an end to this invitation there's an end to this proclaiming. Jesus is coming back, and he that date is in his mind. Uh, we can't say, Jesus, wait one more day. He's coming back when he's coming back. And when he comes back, it's judgment day. The dead will be raised and judged. The living will be judged. And so then it will be too late to hold the gospel out to people. So there's a, there's a fixed day that Jesus has. He's coming back. And we've got to get on the work. Before he comes back. So it's a motivation. So there you go. Let me summarise everything that we've learnt this morning. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The world wants you to be an awful lot of stuff. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The mission of the church is to proclaim and be devoted to the apostolic witness and teaching of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. I think actually you saw last week um, when when Rob was teaching that... um, People came to believe through the scriptures. Isn't that right? Jesus opened the the blind eyes through the scriptures. When Jesus walked on the um, Emmaus Road, he opened the eyes of the disciples through the scriptures. And that's what we've got to do today. Jesus is still at work opening people's eyes through the scriptures. So that's our mission. Proclaim, be devoted to the apostolic witness and teaching of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do this to the ends of the earth. And we do this till he comes back. Yeah? You ready to get on with that mission? Amen. Right. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father God, we thank you so much um, that this is your mission. You are a God who is a saviour. You have uh, a desire in your heart to bring people into your kingdom, to forgive their sins through the blood of Jesus, to raise them to eternal life, uh, to live forever with you. That is your heart, God. And uh, that is the mission of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are at work today. Thank you, Jesus, you haven't come back today, in a sense. So we can get on with this work and, and encourage one another and, and, and hold this gospel out to the world. But Jesus, we also thank you that you are coming back one day. And on that day, we will put down um, our tools and we will rest forever uh, with you.
um, pray, Father, for the Beckentry estate, um, that there would be people there that you would be pleased to save through this church as they open up the scriptures and hold out the good news of the gospel. So fill these people with your spirit, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. Give them the power that they need, this godly, miraculous, divine power uh, to get on with this mission. And I commit them to you and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.